Hello, everybody. This is Shane Douglas Keene, and I am here tonight with my partner in crime, Rich Duncan. Uh, and our guest tonight is us. Um, and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about books and, uh, you know, other things that we enjoy, um, kind of uh, impromptu uh, things of riches and chains. But, um, First, we wanted to talk about this one thing um, that's happened with the changes with this website or with this podcast. Uh, I have not left the podcast that has been stated on a few websites that I'm formerly of Ankheist, but I am so not formerly of Ankheist, which can't fucking get rid of me. Um, <laughs> and I mean, what's going on is I'm starting a different podcast uh, on my on Shotgun Logic, which is obviously the Shotgun Logic podcast, um, or something of that nature. Uh, first episode of that should air this coming week sometime, but the important info that I have to share with you right now is just that Rich and I are still very much a team. Um, I probably won't. I well, no, probably about it. I won't be here every single episode. We've already discussed that. Um, and that was the information I I uh, put out there that caused people to start saying I was dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and while I may be dead, I am not. I have not left the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good... Uh distinction you know i want to congratulate you too on starting the new show i know i'm looking forward to listening to it um i think it's going to be i think people will like it it's a it's a different sort of format and i don't really mm. want to say too much um because i know that with Ankeist, what we thought we were going to be and what we ended up being <laughs> are basically two totally different beasts <laughs> absolutely um, uh, and I think that will happen with this one too. I think it probably happens with most podcasts, unless you have a very specific mission statement going into it. And our mission statement was "fuck, let's get through this thing with John." You know? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say when you're like, "It started out as one thing and changed." I'm like, "Yeah, it started out as only being four episodes, <laughs> and now here we are." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's like I always say, I always say I'm just as nervous every time as I was the first time. But those first few times, I don't think that's bullshit. My memory's false there because I was fucking terrified. (laughs) Yeah, same here, man. Um, You know, just with the way I am, especially like I if you would have told me like, hey, you're going to be not only just doing like as long as we've done, but even just those four episodes, mm-hmm. I would have been like, no fucking way. <laughs> that was that was me, too. It was <laughs> I had never even considered that I would, you know, like we talked about it, but it's like, yeah, it's all fun to talk about. But fuck that man, people will hear me. <laughs> yeah, it was like one of those one of those dream things, you know, that right. you just kind of bat around and they're like, oh, that's a cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> but in actuality, you're like, yeah, it's cool, but uh, I think I'm just going to leave it at the talking stage. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and now I'm, I, it's 
kind of ironic. I'm, now I'm starting a second one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. Look how far we've come. Yeah. <laughs> how, how far? How far I've descended into my own insanity, anyway. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, man, congratulations. And like I said, I know I'm looking forward to listening to it. And I'm sure, you know, people that listen to this show or even that just know us through other things are going to be excited to hear it, too. I'm, I'm hoping so. I think so. Um, and I mean, it's also like I say, I'm still 100 percent here. I'm I'm yeah. Still- I still produce the show. I'm still, which means I'm the sound guy, the graphics guy, and the guy who gets really pissy if he has to look for time timestamps. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, that hasn't changed. That's going to stay the same. Um, mm-hmm. The benefit to the benefit to the episodes that I'm not on is you can say there are timestamps, and I can say you can fucking find them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, and now, like, now I think it goes a little bit easier, um, too, especially, um, like, you know, nobody needs to get in the minutia, but just, like, the way that it displays for the recording, now that I know that, it's a lot easier. (laughs) It it really is, yeah, when you can actually see differences, and and if you know Mm -hmm. there were gaps, look for gaps, because they're easy to see, too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. course i'm talking about from a visual standpoint seeing the wave um yeah and that's not me tripping on anything i'm talking about the sound wave. (laughs) (laughs) not that i'm not tripping on anything but that's not what's causing that (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man that's great so yeah in a nutshell and and the editing has gotten easier i've Obviously, I've been doing it for a few years now. Um, mm-hmm. I can pretty much, I think I timed myself out on the edits the other day for uh, Mary San Giovanni and uh, Matt Wilson. Yeah. Uh, which is a very good show. You guys listen to it. Um, but back to what I was saying, um, it took me probably. 10 minutes start to finish to edit that one. Yeah. And yeah. That's, and with, that's without a lot of timestamps and stuff, but you know, to address, but yeah. And that, and that's like one of those blessings is, uh, you know, when you have a show like that, where, you know, there's not really much that you gotta edit as far as like, you know, false starts or, anything like that those are like the golden ones (laughs) because i was like oh shane's gonna be pretty happy with this one because i was like yeah it's pretty much just like the silent period and then you know like just the stuff that you normally do to like even it out right versus like oh here's a list of like 10 (laughs) 10 things or whatever we've had those (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I'm trying to think who the hardest person I ever had to edit was. <coughs> and it was, of all things, this will shock all of our listeners. Um, I don't remember what it was now, but we did the episode with Jonathan fucking Jans. I mean, yeah. Jonathan fornicating Jonathan <laughs> Jans. Um, and uh, then after the fact, I had to edit something out for him and... Um, it took us 
fucking hours to find it with Rich and I both hunting for the fucking thing. Yeah, I do remember that because I was like, I didn't think it was like, because I normally like, I'll try and keep a running list, and it like, <laughs> usually it's just stuff that's like egregious or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, case. I don't think it was to us personally, so I didn't mark it. And then it was like, okay, yeah, I think his episode was like an hour and a half or an hour and 40. And we're like, okay, you take this half and I'll take this half. Exactly. And it was basically just listening through the whole thing. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, that was the, the, the thing that was the issue with me is that um, it was on my half, but I listened past it for some reason. Somehow I missed it. And so I listened a second time, and I think you ended up finding it. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things, like, um, it's one of the, it's like, I don't know if phenomena is the right word, but kind of is. And it kind of actually ties into, like, writing, where, like, we did the episode, we lived it, we talked it. So, like, as we're listening, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this, and then you're not really picking up. Kind of. Yeah, kind of like when you try and edit your own stuff. Sometimes you'll miss stuff. You'll yeah. send it to somebody else, and then it'll jump right out at them. They're going to be like, yo, whoa, what is this? And then you're like, shit, how did I not even notice that? <laughs> and Well, and that's an ongoing thing. If, you, if you're a nitpicker, like mm-hmm. I tend to be and some other writers I know tend to be, I had one manuscript that I had to sit on for a month and a half before I could turn it in because I misread the deadline. Um, mm-hmm. That was like the first fucking story I ever published. Um, and that story was such a different fucking story by the time I finally turned it in compared <laughs> to when I finally finished it because you go back and look and you see shit and you go back, you know, three weeks later and you look again and you see shit again because you're new to it again. And I can can see why a lot of writers do that by default. Take a break and then Mm -hmm. come back before they submit anything because you do. You'd be amazed what you find. But you also hit a stage where you need to stop fucking finding shit or you're going to completely (laughs) alter the story. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like a fine balance because yeah, like I think you know, for most people, if left to their own devices, you know, before they find that kind of balance, you'd probably never have anything released because you'd constantly be, like, fine-tuning it and being like, oh, shit, maybe if I just tighten this up here or tighten that up there. And I think that's just natural. Yeah. Um, it is for anybody, I think, and, and for some people even more so. Um anymore if I've got a a time period to wait I don't I don't write the piece I wait until I'm closer I, I write mm-hmm. better up against the deadline anyway so yeah yeah it's it's funny because I'm the same way with that and uh, like when I was in school it was always like that like we would have I forget exactly what they called it but it was basically like you had one big paper you had to write. And, you know, looking back, it doesn't seem like a lot. But they'd be like, okay, I have the whole semester to write a 10-page or 20-page double-spaced essay <laughs> on whatever. And they'd give it to you in, like, September. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's due at, like, 
you know, halfway through the year, the end of the year. And I'd be like, okay, cool. Next thing you know, it's like the night before Mm -hmm. and it's like midnight and I'm like, ah, time to get cracking. I did that with every single paper I wrote in college. Literally wrote it overnight the night before I had to turn it in. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, for some reason, it's just the way my brain does it. I mean, especially with someone with ADHD, you saying, oh, you don't have to have this in until September 3rd at 4 o'clock. It's going to arrive at 4.01 on September 3rd. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) And you're giving them permission to to do the very thing that they're so desperately trying hard not to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, feel free and space it for a long fucking time. You're already done listening to them on to the next bong hit or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's funny you mention that, like, um, you know, like how it would be late the night before. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing. And it always bang bang it was like immediate like I'd be able to do it it would be good I'd get a decent grade one time it bit me in the ass because this was in like you know I graduated around 07 so it was like the early ish 2000s it wasn't my senior year but I had to do a shitload of uh, terms for AP history where you would like You'd have to put it in your own words, and they'd have to be a couple paragraphs each. And I did that. And I found, because at that time, Instant Messenger was popular, that I would basically spend most of my time, even when I was doing homework, dicking around, talking to my friends on there. And, you know, I would get like two to three hours of sleep every night, and then usually by the end of the week, it would catch up to me happened that this thing was due on a Friday, so it was late Thursday. I'd already been getting no sleep. I'm typing away. I'm typing away. I'm like, I can do this. I feel myself slumping over the keyboard, jolting awake. <laughs> slumping over my keyboard, jolting awake. Meanwhile, I'm typing in between these periods of consciousness. I'm done. <laughs> cool. Print it out. I'm sitting on the bus the next morning, and mind you, I'm on the bus. Like, there's no way I can really fix this until I get to school if there's an issue. And I'm reading through it, and, like, I don't know if, like, people have ever... If you've ever heard this or seen it, but, like, when people get really tired, they get kind of delirious, and they say weird stuff. I'm reading through these terms, and it's just straight-up delirium that makes no sense. And I'm like, what have I done? And like, like there's one. We'll just, we'll just say um, John F. Kennedy. I don't think that's what the term was, and you had to like write about it. But I'm like, blah blah blah. He was the president, and he wanted people to treat him how he would wanted to be treated. And I'm like, this doesn't even make any sense. And I'm like, and then I think for um, one of them, this one I remember. One of them was for OPEC. And I put that OPEC is the organization that is in control of setting beer prices around the world. (laughs) And really, it's supposed to be oil. (laughs) And I'm like, son of a bitch, what am I going to do? And I think I ended up just telling them I needed an extra day, and then I fixed them that night. (laughs) 
uh, Rich accidentally writes the next fucking Narnia in between scenes. <laughs> you know what? I I should try that. I should just like sleep deprive myself and then sit down at the keyboard and be like, hmm. Mm. Let's just write and see what comes out. <laughs> um, I, I can assure you it will be more of the same. <laughs> when I'm exhausted and I try to write, yeah, stupid idea. Don't do that. <laughs> or drunk. Not, yeah. Well, you know what's funny, and I wonder if this has ever happened to anyone. Not necessarily like sleep deprived or, you know, maybe it could be or just... You know, some kind of thing where you're not really thinking as clearly. If anyone has ever sat down and, like, I'm just going to write. And then, like, even though it seems kind of crazy, like, it ends up becoming the kernel for something that down the road they get published. Yeah. Um, Any authors listening, if that's happened, uh, send us a DM because I'd love to hear that story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. That'd be a fun one to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, what? How other authors have had that experience? Um, I haven't, personally, not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and it might not be like the whole thing, but like it might have at least spurred an idea loose. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, ideas evolve. You know, sometimes the thing that was the spark isn't the thing that grows into the tree in the end. You know, not the exactly the trees. <laughs> yeah. No, I follow you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know yeah. trees come from seeds and stuff like that. <laughs> and there has to be a mama seed and a dad. No, there's no <laughs> We should title this episode <laughs> The Nature Hour with Ink. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that was one fucked up biology lesson, man, I tell you. <laughs> Oh, that would be good, though. <laughs> oh, but, um, yeah, uh, real quick, because um, I know that one of the things we were going to talk about is stuff that we liked, you know, read and whatever. Um, but I have to bring this one up first, because you and I talked about it offline. Did you happen to watch Fear Street Part 1, 1994 yet? Not yet. I uh, had a one of Chrome's famous fucking wide vine crashes and couldn't get the, get the run last night, so I'll fuck with it tonight. Yeah, and, um, you know, just just to uh, a non-spoilery, not even really a plot thing, because anymore, especially with movies, like, they give everything away, but basically I'll, what I'll say is it's a slasher. Um, yeah. And... I will say from the from the the exactly that's why I felt comfortable with it. But for people who don't know, it was directed by Lee Janiak, I think is how you pronounce her name, and she wrote and directed that movie Honeymoon, which was excellent. Um, It is. I'm not gonna lie; like people might find it a bit corny. But at the same time, it's not like a kid's movie. It's rated R. There's plenty of blood in it. Good kills. And But what, I, what fascinated me the most is... And I should preface this with, you know, I grew up on R.L. Stein. Like, right. the way some of our guests talk about King, 
that's how he is to me. But I never really got into Fear Street. I only read like a handful of the books. But what I will say about this movie is like if you sit with it, it it actually puts like a really cool and unique spin on slashers. I had a blast with it. It wasn't nostalgia in the fact that, you know, oh, I read these books as a kid and, you know, now yeah. I watch the movie. It was nostalgia in the fact that I grew up on 90s slashers, 90s horror films. And, like, when I watched this, it was like I was that age again, which was too young to be watching those movies. But it was that same kind of feeling. So, yeah, it's definitely a blast. And I can't wait to see what you think of it. I don't know. I you're, You were sitting there describing it. He said, it's definitely not a kid's movie. And I'm thinking, fuck, you didn't know me when I was a kid because that sounds kind of wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I should preface with if people have seen like, you know, the Goosebumps or any of those like, this is hard, but it's geared towards families and it's really tame. It's not that like there's some crazy shit in it, but it does have like an air of corniness, but it's a blast. And I think what besides just the movie, what I want to like commend you know, the director for is that she's doing something really cool with it. And even Netflix to a degree in that it's three movies that kind of interweave together and they're doing them like, okay, this one came out Friday. Part two comes out next Friday. Every other third movie. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I think. It's yeah. It's such a cool thing. And like, you know, I've bitched and moaned, countlessly on here about how I was sick and tired of fucking reboots and all this other bullshit and like (laughs) this is something cool and granted I know not everyone can just churn like I think they worked on this for a while and now they're releasing it I get it that not everyone can do that but to see them taking those kind of chances and stuff with like a cool a cool thing and uh, also another cool thing is uh, we need to do something uh, like that's kind of a cool uh, premise for a movie. As much as I hate to, uh, you know, promote something from the host of the Goulash podcast, <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward to that movie too. <laughs> uh, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if I how I feel about that term anymore. It seems a little kind, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <my> <laughs> yeah. It's so funny that about that poor fucking co- podcast. <laughs> now don't fucking say anything that's gonna make me have to edit. Mm-mm. I was gonna leave it just at that. <laughs> I, I found it uh, interesting in your description of the show how the first and most emphasized positive thing you said about Mm -hmm. that first part is really good kills. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, now y'all know why uh, Rich is so so fucking polite, right? Most slashers (laughs) are. (laughs) I wonder what my... Rich is the killer's work. (laughs) Yeah, and I should say, like, some of them, they're, you know... They're pretty tame. There's a lot of them, but they're executed well. 
that's wow that's a poor uh choice of words but, <laughs> but there's one there's one that i won't spoil later on in the film that was it, like i was like holy shit that's like the coolest thing i've seen from a slasher in a you know a pretty good while <laughs> and also um, now like that i wonder what my slasher name should be I have no idea. I've never thought about slasher names. I figure if mine, if I had a slasher name, I've already fucking got it. You know, I mean, I got what's some, yours? I got Shane Douglas Keen, man. I got the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a right good up there with the pattern, man. Those three names like that. Max Booth mm -hmm. made sure I knew about that. Uh, Max Booth is the guy who made the movie that Rich mentioned. I can never remember the title. I think it's We Need to Do Something. Max mm -hmm. Booth is amazing, but he's also uh, the host of that goulash podcast we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I, I can't wait to see what you, uh, what you think of that movie. Um, it was definitely... And, you know, that was the other cool thing. It's geared, you know, obviously, probably because Fear Street is an older series. It's geared to people who grew up reading them and are now adults. But it's also kind of like, you know, your typical kind of like teen slasher in a way. I appreciate the fact that they went for the R rating and yeah. not like, oh, let's do a PG-13. And it's like, ugh. You know what? Most you know, of the kids, most of the kids in the age group, you know, at least at, at the top range of it that were reading R.L. Stein's work, were also watching fucking horror movies like Fright Night. And, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> these kids were not not exactly the, <laughs> virgins to the horror scene, you know. So yeah, I think you're right. It's the right thing to do because um, mm -hmm. the people who are coming to it aren't coming to it as children anymore, and they didn't really wanted to be too soft pot even when they were at that age you know yeah exactly and it's you hit the nail right on the head as somebody who you know was in that age range like it's funny like as far as books go and it was mainly like an age thing you know I was in like you know early to late elementary school reading goosebumps which are fairly tame. And then I was renting like the Candyman, like Candyman and shit. <laughs> like, like I'm sitting here reading these kids' chapter books, and then I'm watching Candyman, which I'm pretty sure in one of those films he like punches a hook through someone's jaw and like rips it off. Like, but then I'm reading Goosebumps. <laughs> and also, I think I said this to you last night. I um. And then I'll end it on the Fear Street talk, but I, I'll find it funny because it's getting a lot of great reviews, and it's a great film. And granted, that's like the work of the director and everything, but it's based on an R.L. Stein property. Yeah. He has tried twice to break into the adult market with his fiction and couldn't really do it. It would be amazing to me if he comes up with like one of the most talked about like his work inspired one of the most talked about adult horror movies yeah that would be interesting if he did um i read one of his books so and he he's not he's i don't know i don't know that it's 
that it's a shame that he didn't break into the adult market. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to say. I didn't want to say. I started to say he's not good, but that's not true. He's very talented. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I think it's a different skill set. Yeah, it is a different skill set. Well, it's a different paradigm is what it is. And if you haven't gotten used to dealing with the fact that adults are also really fucking children, then you're going to speak to them the wrong way. You know, and that's kind of yeah. how I felt about it. He, he didn't really didn't really vibe with me, you know, because nothing was interesting. Um, but that doesn't mean other people didn't go there and dig it, you know, so. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I think I think his niche is is where he was meant to be. That's that's where his art, you know, really shines. And I can't say meant to be. It's yeah. just it's something he did and a lot of people do. And you've made, he made himself a niche writer, you know, and it's hard to break mm-hmm. out of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, imagine what people would have done to Maurice Sendak if he suddenly decided to write fucking The Thing or The Exorcist or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although, that would be kind of interesting. Oh, I think so, too. <laughs> Based off where the wild things are. No shit. But yeah, I don't I don't want to uh, dominate this with uh, R.L. Stein content. So, uh, is no. there anything uh, cool you've been into, movies or books? Um, there was something I was gonna say just a minute ago. Oh, um, it's really cool of you to do it, but you you do know that you don't have to warn people when you're not gonna spoil something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm that's not going right. to spoil this. It's like, cool. You don't have to tell me that. Tell me if you are going to. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, but to be fair, I'm Dude, sitting I'm in this. talking with you. So. No, no, I know. Oh, now it's not going to be funny. I was just going to say, you know, I'm sitting in this sweltering closet having a few drinks. Now that just sounds sad. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> oh, <Lord>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I've had a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, I can't really speak to film too much. I mean, not at least not as far as it domestic film goes I, haven't, I don't think I've watched a domestic show or film in a fucking year now it feels like it um, but I did watch one the other night I had a fun time actually with this whole experience um, I reviewed two movies for Steve Petit over at Horror DNA um, I don't honestly remember what they were but um they were hideous. They were they were, they were a soul wrecking waste of time that <laughs> wish I had been chewing on my shoe instead. Um, so I was pretty much done with that that Steve Patty character over there, and he passed me this most recent one, which is a Swedish one called The Evil Next Door, and um, yeah, I I could spend the whole rest of the show talking about that. And I just, I won't, um, just fucking love that movie. It was a great movie. It was like, like them taking something like the American version of the ring and 
and forcing it to make sense. You know, I mean, yeah. they're, they're just really, really good at, you know, foreign filmmakers that I've encountered for the most part at just taking those risks and being willing to, you know, bend their stories to what they want them to be rather than what they're expected to be, you know, which is, uh, you know, I mean, a prime example of that is Guillermo del Toro, which every time you think you know what he's putting in your face, it turns out to be something different, you know. So anyway, yeah. I, that's the thing. That's why I keep going back and back and back to foreign film, uh, international film, is because there's a whole entire planet full of incredible talents out there, and mm-hmm. we, and I think it's a systemic problem that the vast majority of us focus on domestic TV and film and completely ignore the fact that that stuff is out there and it's like oh dude there's fucking treasure to be had you know you could spend the rest of your life finding it so. yeah Ab- absolutely I totally agree with you um, and you know it seems like anymore like when you and I are talking about even recommendations and stuff for the most part, it's those types of movies, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, I, and I remember you telling me about this movie, and I can't wait to watch it. I hope it like comes up on streaming soon. I know there's one over there that I really dug. I haven't heard anyone really talk about much that I also reviewed, um, The Queen of Black Magic. Yeah, which is which is supposedly a remake but it's not a remake of a film by the same guy um but what it really is is it is an entirely entirely different story that is only vaguely connected to the previous one by a title you know um but Mm -hmm. but it was uh just also an absolutely thrilling movie to me they just did such a good job with the scares and with the practical effects and with the um, um, the story and their willingness to take risks like a, I beat to death all the time about foreign film um, but the motherfucker can't make fire man <laughs> it's the guy that uh, did yes. um, Satan's Slaves yeah. Yeah. And every film he's made has been really fucking good, but every time he lights something on fire, I want to yeah. cry. <laughs> yes. It's like you said, it's so funny, and like maybe there's a reason for it. Yeah. So I, I don't want to be too, too harsh, but it's like maybe just write out the fire. Like you do all this cool, like you said, the practical effects are great. Maybe just cut out the fire. Figure something else out because the fire comes up, and I swear, like it looks like the kind of flames you would see on the CD booklet of an early 1990s yep. rap metal group, yep. like, like, yep. like a Limp Biscuit CD or something. It's just terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, it. That's the thing that gets me about it. it it's like. I can tell the reason what happens is that he, they CGI the fire in because they don't pay for stunt people. Um, mm-hmm. 
a lot of the time, and if you read the credits, you'll see that. And I suspect that must be what the case <laughs> yeah. is here. Is you can't really light these guys on fire because they don't know how to put themselves out again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I remember when we, because I think we watched that movie like in close proximity. Um, in terms of like the time of when we watched it and I think we talked about this and I'm watching the movie and the whole thing's great I'm like oh and there's like these great scenes of practical effects I'm like holy shit this is awesome and then those goddamn flames pop up and I'm just like oh no <laughs> yep. somebody put that fire out so we can get back on with the movie <laughs> Trashing the poor guy's fire. Um, but he's a brilliant writer director. Yes. And uh, I highly recommend anything that's got his name attached to it. And his name is Rich. That's your oh, shit. <laughs> I uh to be honest <coughs> excuse me. I was, his name I was, is the I, director of the Queen of Black Magic. <laughs> yeah, I was racking my brain for it because I was like I know I have seen this um, and I was like I know what his name is it's on the tip of my tongue but then I was like I, I just couldn't pull it Joko Anwar you looked it up motherfucker I, I sure did <laughs> I sure did all that I, stuff before I it was know that stalling. I know that because I'm sitting here with it uh, yeah but he's but not to the be one fair, who's responsible for the fire though it's a, a I can't say his name, but the director's a different guy. Joko, oh, yeah, yeah. Joko wrote it, but the director is chemo something. Or, um, yeah. And, but, uh, and he's also the same one from one of the other films. I had the really bad. You look like that fire is made out of fucking see-through fucking scarves or something, you know? <laughs> you know, those yeah. old old see-through yellow scarves like your grandma used to wear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall my grandma having any of those. But oh, well, I you're, you're, you're a you're youngster. Saying. Your grandma was my age, so you probably didn't. <laughs> uh, I know what you mean, though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you said, they're, they're so great. People are going to hear us shitting on like the CGI for the fire and be like, wow. But everything else was great. There's very Not little much. fire. Very little fire. Exactly. And most people don't notice it. Um, I notice it because I'm an asshole. Um, <laughs> but also because it's kind of, when I'm reviewing movies and stuff, it's kind of my job to notice stuff like that, too, in a way. Yeah, you know? yeah although that was funny the way you just deadpan delivered that. I only noticed an asshole. <laughs> um, oh. I do uh, I do have fun with my movies. Anybody ever has a film that they think really sucks, especially a foreign film, um, send it my way. I love to review movies that really suck with all of my <laughs> <Yeah>. heart. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest, the greatest fun I have in my life is taking a bad movie and at least making it funny for somebody. So yeah, 
Yeah, and you and you do a great job of that. Like, there's movies where you're like, yeah, you know, this was terrible, and and then I read your reviews and I get so much joy out of it. And then it almost kind of flips it to where I'm like, I know he said this movie was terrible, but I still want to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that before, either here or on someone else's podcast. That um, it cracks me up how many people have told me that. Uh, they're gonna watch a movie because of the things I said about it when I was saying I fucking hated it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steve, he is one of. He said that to me more than anybody else. I all the time says, "Oh, sounds like you really hated that movie, but I really want to see it now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the way, like your way with words about it, and like some of the jokes like some of the jokes so hard and then i'm like i wonder if i'll laugh equally as hard at how bad this movie is (laughs) one i saw recently okay this is the shane and rich trash everything they can find (laughs) (laughs) Um, damn what was that one I just totally blanked it. Um, but, uh, I know that, uh, oh, Cemetery of Lost Souls, was it? Or something like that? Yeah, something that like I reviewed. that. Um, horrible, horrible film. I'm sorry, guys, but not that the people who created it are horrible creators, but, um, they need to be better creators and you know for for me for me that's always subjective um but uh yeah that one was uh i had a lot of fun with that one because it was nothing else but fun um and i think you would like it for that rich because it's it's hateable to the point of being laughable not really in a maximum overdrive sort of way but I know that mm. I know that I've heard you laughing at films like this plenty of times. So yeah, I, I recommend if you want to if you want something funny some night and you can't find a good comedy, that is one. <laughs> yeah, I will definitely look that up because and just look through all the missteps in that motherfucker and you'll have a blast. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I'll definitely look into that one. Because I do love that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and it wasn't if someone said, I challenge you to find five things wrong with this film, you'll be done with that in the intro. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it sounds that. like it. So what, no. do we have, what do we have positive to talk about? Well, it's funny because you kind of set me up without even uh, realizing it by talking about that movie. Um Evil Next Door, I think it was called, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so bad at remembering titles, but you set me up perfectly because you were talking about creators um, and like foreign horror and you know other genre stuff. And one thing that I was going to talk about was the Netflix series Kotla. Um, mm. I had added it when I was going through my coming the coming soon things on Netflix. And I was like, because it sounded interesting, but I'm like, eh, it's probably like a little too sci-fi for me. Or, And I kind of forgot about it for a while. 
And then I decided you said, to watch You said it. coming, and I went, wait, is Michael here again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I had... Anyway, carry on. I, <laughs> I had I'd finally decided to sit down and watch it. And, oh my God, it was so... It, it, it's amazing. Um, just like a lot of the other... And I'm sure some people will disagree with me because they'll bring... They'll have certain shows in mind, but especially when it comes to, like, horror or, like, kind of dark genre stuff when it comes to TV, everything that comes from outside the U.S. just blows everything we put out away. And I'm sorry people are going to get mad. They're going to mention certain shows... Because I stand they, by what I said. <laughs> I, I, I would stand by that too, man. And it's because they don't have a fucking boilerplate, you know. They don't have exactly. they don't have a they don't have a fucking um, standard, you know, industry standard that they have to follow, you know, or seem to feel like they have to follow. Hey, everybody loved King Kong filmed this way and we're done with this, so let's make our movie that way too, just the same way. exactly and the funny thing is with this show is it's not boilerplate with but when i was watching it i could see touchstones basically the short as spoiler free version as i could give it is the description that i saw when i added it on netflix which is a year after kotla's eruption survivors are grappling with the after It's a year later after the eruption of this volcano. And then suddenly an ash-caked woman appear on the glacier where these scientists are kind of, you know, studying the eruption and, like, figuring out why things are so bad. It's so good. You've got the filmography um, is great. It's set in Iceland. It's beautiful. If you like things that are kind of, like, dark and gloomy, that'll be your jam. Kind of ties into the whole, uh, you know, sort of Nordic thing. Um, And, yeah, the soundtrack is great. The story is great. It's got a great mystery. It kind of reminded me, um, if people have seen the other excellent series that's on Netflix, Black Spot, very reminiscent kind of of the feel of that um, and kind of like with the whole you know, the scenery, like nature, remoteness, um, and a little bit of like, um, you know, a couple other shows. It's hard because some of them, like I say the comparison, it's kind of like a spoiler on like what is happening there. So we'll just leave it at black spot for now. But yeah, if anybody kind of is into like, black spot or any of those sort of like weird genre shows um dark's another one that's not spoilery but if people liked dark definitely check this out i thought it was going to be kind of like a sci-fi action thing you know kind of like those oh my god the world end is ending kind of movies it's definitely not that it and it you know there's there's some heavy themes like i will warn people there's you know it's not too graphic until certain episodes, but there is talk of like suicide and things like that. But overall, the show is not very graphic. It's more just kind of an eerie feeling and a mystery. Um, But people should at least be aware of that. But 
it's definitely it's definitely a great show and um i hope it's not like black spot where i tore through the two seasons and it's been like two or three years <laughs> and heard of an upcoming season so but i've heard this has been doing very well so. yeah yeah i've heard a lot about it um from people that i really trust uh have not seen it i have not seen anything um mm-hmm. just i'm too obsessed with uh, what I'm doing with my writing right now, so I I do watch things, but usually they're things that um, just like I've already said, usually it's some some kind of foreign film or you know not always horror. Um, yeah, um, I just we we beat that to death. But yeah, suffice it to say, if I if I have the time to watch something and I don't have a screener to watch, I'm going to watch something foreign anyway because it's what I love. Um, I mean, you know, I'll I'll toss one on the Nordic pile and then we'll switch off to something else because I have other stuff to talk about. But mm-hmm. um, um, the movie Thelma, which I think is currently only on. Hulu, but that's been a while, so I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah, I think it's still Hulu. Yeah. I, I initially um, reviewed that one for Horror DNA, um, and it just, that movie is the most beautiful, beautiful, destructive, heartbreaking love story slash horror slash um, um, Sorry. Uh, no I can't worries. think of the term, but it's basically, um, I'm not going to say anything about it, but it, it deals with um, issues of um, being judged as a LGBT person, um, you know, which is to say a queer, um, or rather queer. Um, but it the whole thing is horrifying not just the horror aspects of it but the, but the parts that I was just talking about the, the judgment and the ostracization and um, literal punishment for loving who you love you know um, mm-hmm. so yep and it, but it's it's perfectly made uh, it's on point not tone deaf um Whatever that sound was, don't ever do that again. Um, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm fucking with you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it hits on all notes, and I think anybody who loves a good horror film and a good love story, because it's very much a love story, um, beautiful one. Uh, definitely, definitely check out that one. Um, but. Uh, Let's switch to books while we have time to talk still. Yeah, yeah, I was... For a minute. Yeah, no um, worries. Uh, you want to kick off the book segment? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've uh, reviewed a few recently on Shotgun Logic. Or on Shotgun... On Ink Heist, rather. Um, and uh, one coming out from Off Limits Press by Catherine McCarthy... Uh, is called Immortel, and well, I don't know what to say. Read my review on that one. You'll—it's—I uh, think 
I think it releases on July 15th, um, and it is fucking amazing. Um, no, no hype whatsoever. If you like quiet, quiet horror uh, that eats at your intestines while you're reading it, that's that's what you're looking for. Um, like I said, read my review. There's a whole lot more to say about that thing, but it is fantastic fucking book. Yeah, that was uh, your review, and then just kind of like seeing it around. That's one that I've definitely been uh, looking forward to reading for sure. Yeah. Well, it's you know one of those things. Off limits doesn't fuck up. It's one of they're one of those presses that you know. It, it is what it is. If they took someone on, they're like gray matter, you know. If they're if they're taking exactly. an author on, it's because that author is really fucking good. Not just good, but really fucking good, you know. Um, that's yeah. been my experience. One hundred percent of all the material I've read by them. So, Same. Um, Same here. Uh, and it has with. And it has with Grey Matter Press, too, which is why, obviously, I brought them up in the same context. Um, I've been reading Tony's uh, productions for, God, eight years now? Eight? Pushing nine, I think. And, um, yeah, he's ne- he's never fucked up in my experience with anything he's published. Yeah. Yeah, I and, too, he's... You know, he's got some uh, coming out this year with uh, John Foster's Rooster. And I am i can't wait to, like, for more stuff to come out through them. Uh, I think they just, I think it's closed now, but I think he's working through submissions from his last open call. So I'll be curious to see kind of what comes of that. But, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to read that book. It sounds awesome. And like you said... Everything Off Limits does is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And uh, the book that I have is one that, um, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, and it's gotten a lot of rave reviews, is Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke by Eric LaRocca. Yeah, dude. I, I finished it last week, I think. I think it only took me, like, a day. Um, and it's so great. The less said about the actual plot, the better. All I'll say is that it's two women, Agnes and Zoe, who strike up a relationship through the Internet. Um, and it's kind of told in a, a, I always butcher this word, but an epistolary format. Um, where it's like emails and chat transcripts. Um, but it's just such a phenomenal book. Um, you definitely don't see where the story's going. And like I had heard reviews and things, and I'm like expecting one thing, got something completely different, but equally as awesome as to what I would build up in my mind. The one thing I will say about it that I loved um, was... Well, two things. One that's about the book itself, and one that's kind of just like what I... Like, colors my perception of the book. 
the one thing about the book itself that I liked is that both of these women, Agnes and Zoe, are fully formed characters. You get a great sense of who each one is. But what's excellent, and at least was my experience, is the way Eric wrote them. They're fully formed, but through the events of the book, it almost lets the readers kind of ask questions and infer who these people might be based off of certain things that they say, um, certain actions that they do. Like, there's nothing that ever feels like it was left out and you're like, well, this doesn't make sense. It was more like they'll do something that fits their character and then you start thinking, like, okay, almost like you're either Agnes or Zoe. Like, okay, why is this person saying these things? Why right. is this person doing these things? Which is a hard thing to pull off. Eric does it excellently. And then what colored my perception is, you know, I'd said earlier in the show about how I grew up on Instant Messenger most of the times. It was talking to, you know, my friends from school. But there were other times where I would talk to people on message boards or, you know, sometimes in the IM days you would get that gray box where it's like so-and-so would like to talk to you. And you're like, mm. who the fuck is this? And then you just start talking to them. And it kind of raises the question of, like, you talk to certain people and it's a little different now because you have you know instagram or you know videos and stuff and you see the people but back then you didn't really have that so you would form these relationships and you don't really know who the other person is on the other side of that keep you think you do now <laughs> <laughs> i would hope so at least a little bit more yeah. i realize it's still uh there's still you know some trickery and danger oh, that goes yeah. on every everybody but... <laughs> everybody can make themselves up on the internet exactly know? but it always seemed weirder back yeah. then like i said because there wasn't so much pictures it was pretty much like asl and then <laughs> you took them at their word Right, I, but I kind of I kind of um, had the same approach then that I have now. If somebody rando DMs me that I didn't ask to DM me and didn't ask if it was okay, um, the mm -hmm. same thing back then. Uh, so and so would like to chat with you. Well, so and so can fuck off. I'm not here to chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it. It's such a great book. Um, you know, they just announced uh, Eric Andrew Punk books that in the first month they've already it's already sold like fifty five hundred copies for an indie book. Like mm -hmm. that's <laughs> enormous, mm -hmm. and enormous and well deserved. And and it's uh it's a really fucking good sign for this young man's future, and he is a young mm -hmm. man. Um, and he's very, very nice guy as well as being a brilliant writer. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And you know, strongly recommend if you're not following Eric LaRocca, follow him. Ask Rich what his Twitter handle is, or just look it up. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I like how you think I just had it. <laughs> uh, um, it's uh, EJ LaRocca, at EJ LaRocca. <laughs> I looked it up for our listeners. 
<laughs> I didn't know what I was going to talk about, so I didn't look shit up. I just figured, <laughs> I figured yeah. I'll start with explaining what's going on with Shotgun Logic, and then we'll see where we go from there, because I'll be, you know, <laughs> comfortable by then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah someone, else is, someone else is who's uh, buzzing all over uh, Twitter as far as their work goes is... Um, Ross Jeffrey, um, mm-hmm. and he has been for a while with his books, uh, Juniper and um, Tome. Um, he's a pretty pretty phenomenal author. Um, I'm about halfway through Tome, I'd say, and utterly in love with this guy. Um, and he has a new one coming out. Shane, don't fail me now. Um, I, I I know it's through Stigy. I can't pronounce his name. But is it Sky Stigin Sky? Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, Stigin Sky. Um, yeah, he's got a new one coming out through them. I'll make sure it goes in the show notes. Um, I'm seeing if I can find it right now, but yeah. He is, in addition to being a fantastic writer, he's one of those guys who's just one of those guys. He's a really super nice dude. Um, probably the only person in the world I'll ever let get away with calling me fella and not punch him. Um, <laughs> just saying, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He, he did one time, and it just took me off guard. I haven't been called that since I was like, 10 or something it's just uh, unexpected um. yeah I've um, I've been meaning to read those for a while now yeah. I definitely as you would like to say I need to unfuck that soon because yeah. <laughs> especially if there's another one coming out um, yeah uh, the new one coming out is called oh look I've pre-ordered it um, only the stains remain um, the haunting well I'm not going to re- look it up man just uh, Ross Jeffrey he spells it weird J-E-F-F-E-R-Y um, but yeah only the stains re- remain um, I will let you know what that is all about soon and I'll be talking to Ross on Shotgun Logic with um, a couple of uh, a couple of other hosts on there um, but yeah keep an eye out for that it's coming July 20th so you know five days after you've downloaded and devoured Catherine's Immortel um, make sure you get this one too and do the same thing yeah I, I know I definitely yeah. will like I said they've long been on there and to anyone listening and not just because he's my co-host but anytime Shane has told me to read something or watch something it's always been excellent so if he's telling you to go out and check out these books definitely do it and if I if you check out something I recommend and it pisses you off blame Rich because he's the one who told you to go out <laughs> ah, yeah I can take it <laughs> 
Um, who else has uh, new stuff? Well, God, I hope she doesn't listen to this because she'll kill me. Who else has new stuff? Um, <laughs> Beverly Lee has a new one coming out. Um, uh, House of Little Bones, I believe is the mm-hmm. title. Um, I hope I didn't massacre that. No, I think you're spot on. Um, I read that one recently. It's her first novella. Um, I also reviewed that one. Um, if you haven't read Beverly, uh, she's, in my opinion, she's a phenomenon. And if you love quiet horror, um, um, she's got one of the greatest vampire series I've read for uniqueness and also for quality of the storytelling um and then this new novella um is one of the rare books in the last few years that grabbed me by the throat and scared the fuck out of me but um yeah i definitely 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 recommend it because it's also a beautiful human story which is basically what she writes Mm -hmm. yeah that yeah that one sounds amazing and she's such a nice person i heard your interview um that together and it was one of my favorite ones honestly and she just seems like such a great person she is a nice person i mean mostly James says, I uh, hope she doesn't get mad at me and then make sure she does, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no. Good, good, good author. You know, someone that uh, really deserves the attention. Um, and like you Absolutely. said, also a very, very nice person. So. Yeah. And um, since we're kind of, I'll throw one out that's coming out, haven't read it yet, and then one that I have read that is kind, it's from this year, but not as recent. The Quick, the I'll start off with the one I actually have read, and I haven't really seen a lot of talk about it, maybe it's just because I suck at social media, which is a very good possibility, um, but one book that I read and really enjoyed was Near the Bone by Christina Henry. And it is a, it's an interesting book in that there's really two storylines going on. One is not, this will not spoil it at all. Um, it's this woman, Maddie. She lives on a mountain with her husband, William, who's, he's a dick. There's no other way to say it. He, and, um... You know, they live on the mountain, and they're kind of, like, reclusive, and one day Maddie finds a mutilated fox in the woods, and other strange things start happening that indicate that there's something living out in these woods that is not human. Um, It's a great take on Creature Feature, and it weaves in this other storyline that I can't really talk about, because I know it'll ruin it. But the way that Christina Henry kind of melds, like, creature feature with, like, this very human story, it's one of my favorite books of the year, honestly. I, like, if not, it'll probably be in my top ten. And I haven't really seen a lot of people talk about it, but if you're looking for 
a very tense creature feature that has like you know some other cool elements running through it and it's you know a little bit more unique than just the creature it's definitely one worth picking up um the creature is there's some pretty brutal shit in there where i was like what the fuck (laughs) it's if you're into creature features but you want something a little bit different this is the book for you and as far as an upcoming work that i haven't read but i have pre-ordered and it's on the way i think um is s.a cosby's razor blade tears i think it's called Mm -hmm. I hope I yeah. didn't butcher it because I didn't write it down, but I was like, I want to mention this. Yeah. And I cannot wait to read that. I read Blacktop Wasteland, and, you know, I missed the boat on my year end list, but that was, like, tied for, like, my number one book of the year. Um, S.A. Cosby, his books are so fucking good. Um, I don't even really need to say anything other than they're amazing. If you haven't read Blacktop Wasteland, um, Tracy Robinson wrote a review on Inkeist for it. Um, but just go buy it. And then go buy Razorblade Tears as well. Um, if you're into, you know, crime fiction, there's really no reason you shouldn't pick this up. I don't care what kind of books you're into, you're going to like it. Um, Blacktop Wasteland had a similar effect to me as um, she rides shotgun as far as, mm-hmm. as far as perfect fucking crime writing goes it you know um, it, it when I read Jordan Harper's she rides shotgun it's like I'll never read a book that even approaches the wonder of this one as far as crime fiction goes um, and uh, he comes very, very close. Cosby comes super, super close in Blacktop Wasteland. You know, so yeah, highly recommend. Yeah. yeah, he's one of those authors. Like, I when I read that, like, <laughs> this is one of the best things about being like an obsessive book nerd, like we are, and a lot of people listening are. Is like you find those books where you're reading it, and then when you do finally stop for a little bit or whatever, and you slide that bookmark in there, and you're just like, fuck, this is a really good fucking book. And you get like those weird goosebumps or whatever, because you're like, holy shit, like I cannot even believe just how much I love this book and how fucking good it is. Right. It's one of those books. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I love books like that, uh, exactly, and that, that was the comparison I was trying to make between it and, um, She Rides Shotgun, is that, Mm -hmm. that exact observation, you know, uh, one of those books, uh, I had the conversation with an author recently about having finished a series of their books that I had just read that owned me um i never read an entire trilogy back to back to back because you know adhd that doesn't generally work for me um unless it really grabs me um but it was one of those ones one of those reads that when i walked away from it i fucking knew it would be months before i found something that i even wanted to read 
You know what I mean? You know, one of those kind yeah. of reads where you're going, fuck, nothing's going to hold up to that. Nothing is going yeah. to feel good to me or sound good to me, you know? And fortunately, right at that point, right when I finished that, I got an off-limits novella in my hand that I hadn't read, so... Uh, mm-hmm. Which is to say, Catherine McCarthy's Immortal. Uh, that's that saved me from perfectly purgatory for a while, you know. Yeah, and I, I, by the way, I had seen um, when I read your review and I saw that term. That's like the perfect term because it is so true. When you read like one of those great books, you're like well, what the fuck do I even, like, pick up next? And yeah. it's not, like, a disservice to other mm-hmm. writers. It's just that you loved that one book so mm-hmm. much, you're like, I don't want to lose that feeling and just read something where I'm like, you know, this is good, but, you know, I had this amazing experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah, I do too. And, I mean, really, when you think about where we're at in our lives, a lot of people thank us for what we do you know for reviewing mm-hmm. for doing the podcast for um being advocates and for you know promoting good good fiction um i started to say horror but it really goes well beyond that mm-hmm. um but really um i feel i feel pretty blessed by the people who say thank you to me you know really i feel yeah. like the, the thank you you know maybe it's a two-way street or maybe it just belongs to me to say thank you because i've, I've got pretty killer shit that happens in my life now that never happened before you know so that's just yeah. uh just me tossing out my gratitude you know that um are super 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 cool things that um that happen and i know they happen with you too rich um oh yeah that wouldn't have that wouldn't have come to pass in our lives if we hadn't uh joined this community and became a part of it you know yeah absolutely and um you know even people who you know, like you said, it's a two-way street when authors tell us that and stuff. But even when our listeners, you know, say things, you know, like, oh, you know, an episode or especially, things like that. Uh, especially yeah. for me. Especially when our listeners say it. You know, that's... Yeah. Because I otherwise, mean, you kind of feel like, you know, like, in all actuality, when we record these, it's just us or it's just us and the guests. Yeah. And, like, sometimes when you send it out there, like, obviously we joke about the number of listeners, but we know we have listeners. Um, but at the same time, you know, like, if people don't say, you know, like, hey, love the episode or love this, you know, I'd still enjoy it anyway. But it'd be like you wouldn't really know. Like, you'd just be putting these out there. Yeah. And um, yeah. so, yeah, all the kind words we get, we definitely appreciate them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and all those listeners number one 100 percent more than any other entity the people who listen to us um we love you and we are eternally grateful to you for uh hanging out with us and um and um you know just generally putting up with our bullshit and <laughs> like every week they leave and they go well maybe it'll be good next week 
I know in our like oh god I don't know the exact number but probably close to 200 or over 200 episodes god damn it I know like they're like me with the walking dead I know that I said I was gonna write this thing off but maybe on episode 201 they will turn it around (laughs) I am absolutely I'm positive 300's a charm (laughs) yeah well shit at this point I've been listening for two plus years waiting for a nugget of goodness I can't give up now (laughs) some ancient lady I've been listening to this for 75 years (laughs) it's going to get good eventually (laughs) oh lord oh but yeah, I um, I, Honestly, I think like with podcasting, if I was doing it by myself, I'd still continue doing it. If I was doing it in a fucking vacuum, I might, or you know, at least if I had, yeah, if I truly only had two or three listeners, I would still keep doing it. You know? <laughs> yeah, just because it's something I enjoy doing, talking about books and movies and talking to authors and you know, <laughs> granted, if I was all by myself, it'd just be me talking probably about everything I was thinking about. But, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I get you, but you know, I don't think you would have to speak to just yourself because I, I don't even know. Can you call yourself? Can you what? Can you Skype call yourself? I've never tried it because you said it would just be me talking. So you I didn't can, know. You, can. You, just have to, you just have to create a fake address and use that Outlook address to sign in the Skype. Gotcha. Or Skype. But yeah, to to your point, though, like, even this, like, even if this wasn't recording for, like, an episode, like, this would have been a hell of fun, so I definitely would do something like this, like you said, even if nobody was listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would, too, but more than likely... since I hadn't made myself obligate myself to it, I would blow you off and do something else. <laughs> <laughs> do you so guys probably. see how much he loves me? Ah, <laughs> 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 eh, fuck him. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. I love you in the moment, but if you're not right there at that time... <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I, there was something else I was supposed to be doing, but fuck it, this is important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I think we should probably round it out. Yeah, that's Any... that's a perfect closer, I think. Yeah. Um, so uh, thank you to everybody who has listened. Thank you to everyone who listened to us throughout the year. Um, Rich Duncan is technically your showrunner now, but I'm not going anywhere. I will be here time to time to time. And... Um, Every single episode will have some part of me in it as far as contribution goes. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just thanks for sticking with. Good night, everyone. (laughs) Is somebody going to hang the fucking thing? (laughs) 